Isn't it true that those closest to you bring you your greatest joys and your greatest frustrations and disappointments? <laughs> you know, the same was true for Jesus. His disciples were, of course, a real joy for him. They were his closest friends. They were his companions. They were his associates in ministry. But they were also a great source of frustration and disappointment to him. And I'm sure it thrilled our Lord when Peter stepped out of the boat and started walking on water. When he started to sink, Jesus cried out, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And didn't we hear the frustration in his voice when Peter came and asked Jesus what it meant when he told the multitude that it wasn't what entered into their mouths that defiled them, but what came out? Jesus said to him, are you still lacking in understanding also? And after feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, how do you think Jesus felt when his disciples were worried about going hungry? Because they'd forgotten to buy bread. Well, Jesus has once again withdrawn into Gentile territory so he can avoid some of the crowds, hopefully, and the controversy and focus on the twelve. In six months, he will be gone. So he had to make sure they were ready. When he quizzes them... He finds Peter, the, the most vocal of the twelve, to be both a rock and a stumbling block. He says something that absolutely thrills our Lord and then turns around and says something else that devastates him. Well, let's look at not only what he said, but let's see if we can't discover why Peter could be both a rock and a stumbling block. Let's see what the text has to say. In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, Luke tells us that Jesus and the disciples were having a quiet time of prayer when Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? 
They reported that some said he was John the Baptist, come back from the dead. And we've already discovered that's what Herod Antipas feared. Others thought he was Elijah returning to earth to herald the coming of the Messiah. Or Jeremiah coming back to continue his lament or some other prophet. Now these answers showed that Jesus was held in high regard, at least by those quoted. You know, they didn't share the thoughts of Jesus' enemies. Most were able to see that Jesus was a good man being used by God to accomplish his purposes. And that was good, but not good enough. Jesus wasn't just another prophet. Didn't the disciples understand that? If they were going to commit their lives to serving him, they were going to have to understand just exactly who he was. So Jesus made it personal. He says, what do you say that I am? You know, it's not enough to know what others think of Jesus. You've got to know firsthand who he is. Well, Peter, being true to his impulsive nature, was the first to speak up. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. The anointed one, the one Israel and the entire world has been waiting for. You are the son of the living God. Now, this isn't the first time Jesus has been identified as the Messiah or the Christ. They both mean the same thing. Messiah is from the Aramaic and Christ is from the Greek. They both mean anointed one. You may recall that when Andrew first met Jesus... He went directly to Peter, his brother, and declared, We have found the Messiah. That statement, however, was more a hope than a conviction. Peter now states it with conviction. He now knows that Jesus is the Christ. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet of God. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus responds, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Now, when he says, Blessed are you, he's not pronouncing a blessing on Peter. He's saying that Peter had already been blessed by God with an understanding of who Jesus is. It wasn't something that Peter had figured out on his own. It wasn't something he had learned from others. It was, it was something that God had revealed to Peter. Now, how? He doesn't say. But somehow God had planted in the heart of Peter a seed of faith that grew to the conviction that Jesus was indeed the Christ. Now, does God do the same thing today? I think so. Because I don't think anyone can conclude that Jesus is the Son of God solely on the basis of physical evidence. Sure, he fulfilled the prophecies. We're going to look at that tonight. We have ample testimony that he actually rose from the dead. But until we open up our heart and mind to the Spirit of God, we will never really believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
of God. It's just too hard to believe that anyone who lived 2,000 years ago and who died 2,000 years ago was really the son of God. It's hard to believe. So God, God brings that conviction directly to us as we surrender to his spirit and listen to him. And Peter had listened to that voice of God. He had come to the right conclusion. He proved himself to be the rock Jesus declared him to be when they first met. And you remember that when they first met, Jesus said to him, You are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas. Now, Cephas is Aramaic for rock. And Petros is Greek for rock. So the name Simon Peter means you are Simon the Rock. I think they did a movie about him. Peter had lived up to his name. Lived up to his name as being a rock by confessing Jesus as the Christ. And that confession is the rock upon which Christ would build his church. Now, there's some confusion here. Some would insist that Peter's the rock. The word rock means little rock. The rock upon which it's built is a foundation stone. And other scriptures make it abundantly clear that Jesus, not Peter, is the rock. He's the cornerstone upon which the church is built. Peter was simply the first to publicly declare what every believer declares, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what we ask you to confess when you come forward and identify yourself as a believer. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You have come to that conviction by allowing the Spirit of God to work in your life to bring you to that point. That declaration is the rock. And when we make that declaration, we, like Peter, become living stones that are being built up into a spiritual house. We are made part of the church Christ is building, a church that the gates of Hades, the gates of death, will not be able to. To defeat. So you too become a rock, a stone, a living stone, when you confess Jesus as your Lord. And we, like Peter, have been given the keys that keep people in eternal chains or set them free. We've been given the gospel. To declare a gospel that, when received, frees a man from his sins. In Matthew 18 18, Jesus makes it clear that this binding and loosing is a privilege and a responsibility given to all in the church. 
And the tense of the verbs used in both Matthew 16 and 18 that are usually translated shall be bound and shall be loosed are more accurately translated shall have been bound and shall have been loosed. You know, no one on earth is given the authority to bind or loose anyone from their sin. We are simply given the privilege of participating in what God has promised to do when people respond to the gospel message and declare Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a declaration we want men and women to make. That's information we share. But actually here in Matthew 16, Jesus cautioned them not to say it yet. The time wasn't right, but he did single Peter out as one who was being given the privilege of loosening and freeing men and women by sharing the gospel. And Peter was given that privilege because Peter was a rock. He proved himself to be a rock. However, it wouldn't be long until we would also see Peter as a stumbling block. Let's read on. From that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, that This should never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned, and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds." Now, Jesus had already hinted what the future held for him. When talking to Nicodemus, he had said that he would be lifted up as Moses had lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. He had told the Jews that if they would destroy the temple of his body, he would raise it up in three days. And he told the Pharisees that he would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and would then appear as did Jonah after three days and nights in the belly of the sea monster. Well, the disciples should have picked up on this, but apparently hadn't. So Jesus made it as clear as he could. He began to show, and the tense indicates he would say it over and over again that he had to go to Jerusalem. He had to suffer many things at the hands of the religious authorities. 
and be killed and be raised up on the third day. He wanted them to understand what was ahead. He wanted them ready. But they didn't want to hear it. It didn't fit well with their vision of the future. So Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him. He actually rebuked the Lord even while calling him Lord. How crazy is that? Lord, master of my life, you can't say that or do that. It's nuts. God forbid it, Lord, that this should ever happen to you. Jesus' response was immediate and even a bit shocking. Get behind me, Satan. Whoa. You're a stumbling block to me. For you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Now, Mark makes it clear that Jesus said this after turning and looking at his disciples. Not only did Peter's comment make it harder for Jesus to do what he knew he had to do, he knew he had to rebuke Peter publicly for saying it. He couldn't just say, oh, it's okay, Peter, you'll see, it'll all work out. He had to make sure that everyone understood the source of Peter's thoughts at that point. And they weren't coming from his Father in heaven who had just shortly before told Peter that Jesus was the Christ. He listened to the Father one minute and was listening to Satan the next. Peter was listening to Satan, and Satan was speaking through him. And Satan could use him because Peter was setting his mind on his own interests, not on God's. Peter was thinking of his own loss if Jesus were to die. Not only would he lose a friend and mentor, he would lose his dreams for the future. Never mind the fact that his dreams weren't in harmony with the plans of God. He was only thinking of himself here. And he and the rest of the disciples had to understand that the only way to be a follower of Jesus is to deny self, to crucify your own dreams, to take up a cross, and then follow him. The only way to find life in Christ is to give up your own life. And nothing this world has to offer is worth hanging on to if it means losing your soul. Peter had to get everything back in proper perspective. He had to look beyond his immediate concerns and the immediate future to the day when Jesus would return in glory with the angels. All of his goals and dreams and ambitions had to focus on that day. Only then. Would he be able to block out the voice of Satan and listen once again to the voice of God? Only then would he be able to stop being a stumbling block 
and once again, be a rock. And the same is true of us. So hard to stay focused on the return of Christ. But everything in life takes second place to that. That orders our thoughts. That orders everything we do. That orders the way we raise our children. That orders our place at work. That orders how we relate to our neighbors. That Everything is dependent upon our staying focused on the return of Christ. It's the only way we can avoid listening to the voice of Satan saying, nah, that's not what you want. We've got to stay focused. If we would be rocks, living stones that are being built up into a spiritual house, a living temple for our Lord, instead of stumbling blocks, we must tune out Satan and the things of this world. We must set our mind on God's interests, not man's. We must listen again to the voice of our Father who's in heaven. He is the one who convicted us of the fact that Jesus is the Christ, and he is the one who can make us rock solid. If you have not joined Peter in confessing Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, I ask you, why not? If God has convinced you that Jesus is the Christ, confess it. Jesus says if you'll confess him before men, he will confess you before the Father in heaven. If you want Jesus to stand before the throne and say, yes, Dad, he, she belongs to me, you've got to confess him here and now. If you would be a rock, You've got to confess him. And it's that confession that becomes the foundation upon which you build your life. The foundation upon which you make every decision. Please, don't be a stumbling block. Be a rock.